I'm back there dancing. Well, trying to. I love that song. Tom turned me on to Matt Marr's music, and wow, that is a good song. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that we can call you our friend. But even more than that, we call you our Savior today. We thank you, Jesus, that we could gather in this place today to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. In 1805, a number of Indians met at Buffalo Creek Indian Reservation in New York to hear a presentation of the gospel message. Now, after the sermon, one of the leading chiefs by the name of Red Jacket, he made a statement to the speaker. He said, Brother, we are told that you have been preaching to the white people in this place. He said, These people are our neighbors. We're acquainted with them. We will wait a little while and see what effect your preaching has upon them. If we find that it does them good, makes them honest and less disposed to cheat Indians, we will then consider again what you have said. Now, Red Jacket made that statement more than 200 years ago. But I believe something similar could be said to the followers of Jesus today. So how would we answer these two questions? Number one, how is all the preaching and the sermons we have heard affected our behavior, and our actions. That's number one. Number two, do you think anyone will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior based on them observing the difference our faith has made in us? Two very thoughtful and sobering questions for us today. Starting a new series, as Pastor Jeff said, it's called Built. And in this series, we're going to be looking at what we are building when it comes to our Christian life. Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow, and that's their theme this year is a building and construction theme called Concrete and Cranes. So I want to have an early shout-out to all the volunteers. Raise your hand if you're going to volunteer for Vacation Bible School. Yes. You will be the reason that 2021's Vacation Bible School will be a great one. Not only will you clap now, but pray throughout the week for them, okay? The Apostle Peter wrote that people like Chief Red Jacket, are watching the Christians they know to see what kind of difference faith makes in those Christians. More and more, followers of Jesus are in close proximity with people 
who don't know God or His Son, Jesus Christ. They could be our neighbors. They could be our co-workers, our classmates. They can even be our family members. Peter writes this. When you are around people who do not know God, just read the next phrase with me. Be careful how you act. Even if they talk against you as wrongdoers, in the end they will give thanks to God for your good works when Christ comes again. So here's a warning for followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus in this room today, just disregard this. But if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, here's the warning. You read it with me. Be careful how you act. Seems simple enough. People who don't know God are watching and observing you and me. What do they watch? What do they observe? They watch to see if we're building our Christian behavior and actions in a way that match what we say we believe. They watch to see if our walk matches our talk. They observe whether our character matches our confession. They watch to see if what we claim to believe on Sunday at 10 a.m. plays out into practice on Monday, join with me, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, ran out of thumbs, Saturday. In a word, friends, they watch to see if we have built integrity into our lives. I believe the hallmark of the Christian life is integrity. Isn't that what Chief Red Jacket wanted to see in his neighbors over 200 years ago? People of integrity who were good, honest, and not given to cheating? The definition for integrity is this, a firm adherence to a code of especially moral values. All you English majors out there, what are some synonyms for the word integrity? And they're saying, what's a synonym? You are English majors. Well, here are some if you're having problems with that. Decency, goodness, honesty, and character. Integrity is a high standard of character based on a personal code of morality. King Solomon is considered the greatest builder in the Bible. He built the first Jewish temple, built many other magnificent buildings and structures during his reign. He's also considered the wisest man except Jesus who ever lived. And some of that wisdom shows up in the Old Testament book that he wrote. And one of his Proverbs says this, 
People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. The people Solomon is talking about here are those whose lives are an open book. They say to a watching world, go ahead and look. My behavior will match my beliefs. My walk will match my talk. My character will match my confession. I will walk the straight and narrow way of character and integrity, and I'll not follow the crooked paths of hypocrisy and twisted moral principles. Without a doubt, Jesus is the ultimate model of integrity. His life showed excellence in his character in every way imaginable. After his arrest and he stood before the Roman governor, Pilate, this is what we read that Pilate said. Pilate turned to the leading priest and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. There was no basis for guilt, no evidence of fault, and no wrongdoing found in Jesus in any way. And it's for these reasons that Peter instructed all believers, this is what you were chosen to do. Christ gave you an example to follow. He suffered for you, so you should do the same as he did. He never sinned, and he never told a lie. Jesus is the example. And Peter tells us there is but one example for those first century Christians in Peter's day to follow and model their lives as they built their lives. And it's the same example for you and me here in the 21st century that call Jesus our Lord and Savior as we build our life. Jesus is the model of integrity that we should follow, not just on Sunday morning. Because the world is watching and observing us, we should make sure that we are modeling the life of Jesus as found in the Gospels. You have to go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to observe the life of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the blueprint of how we build our lives. Reverend Charles Sheldon preached a series of messages in his church about people who began to model their behavior and character of Jesus. And the sermons were put into a book, and it was entitled, In His Steps. It became one of the best-selling books of all time, and it followed the response of Christians to a pledge that they made to each other and to God. 
they pledged that for one year they would demonstrate the love of Jesus through their actions by asking this simple question. What would Jesus do? I believe that same challenge should be presented to every follower of Jesus today. No matter where they live, no matter where they worship. Will we follow his example as found in the Gospels? Will we pledge our lives to ask, what would Jesus do in this situation? Will we use the building block of integrity to live a life that honors and glorifies Jesus and consequently has a positive impact on those we come in contact with on a daily basis. So we're going to look at how integrity is lived out in our lives. This isn't going to exhaust all of it, but we're going to look at some things today. First, we practice integrity by keeping away from tempting situations. In other words, we guard our integrity. No one's going to guard it for you. Peter says, dear friends, your real home is not here on earth. You are strangers here. I ask you to keep away from all the sinful desires of the flesh. Read it with me. These things fight to get hold of your soul. Circle the phrase, keep away from. I read about a Christian young man who went off to college for his freshman year. Thanksgiving break, he came home and he contacted his youth pastor. I don't know if it was Pastor Jeff, it may have been. He told the youth pastor that he had recently been invited to an off-campus party where there was a lot of uh, drinking and drug use going on. So his youth pastor asked him, well, what did you do when you came upon that scene and went into that room and saw all that going on? The young man said, well, you know, I got out of there as fast as I could. And he asked the youth pastor, he said, did I do the right thing? And the youth pastor said, I can't believe you turned down free booze and drugs. He didn't say that, did he? No. Some of you weren't listening, so I thought I'd got to throw something in there to get him back on track. No, he didn't do that. Pastor Jeff wouldn't do that. Any good youth pastor would not do that. The youth pastor affirmed this young college student who wanted to live for Jesus in a very difficult environment. And the youth pastor was able to open up And they had a conversation about how to deal with temptation being a college student. So what about you? Do you think the college student did the right thing by leaving? Or did he pass up some free booze and drugs? You see, I hope we all would affirm this young man's decision. 
in tempting situations, we're to find a way out and flee. Those tempting situations might be at an off-campus college party. Or maybe you're on your computer late at night and it's a a pop-up ad for a porn site. Or maybe you go to your 20th year high school class reunion where an old flame from high school is hitting on you. You see, whatever it is and wherever it is, we need to make provisions to get away and keep away. We're to do everything possible to avoid situations where we can easily fall to temptation. Maybe you need a filter on your computer to help you with that temptation to watch pornography. It may mean you need to avoid certain groups of people who have this uncanny way and history of drawing you into destructive behavior. However it works for you, And each of you have to decide for yourself. This verse means to us that we are to do everything it takes to build with integrity by keeping away from the sinful desires of our flesh. And I will admit right now, before God and this congregation, that as a human being, I have sinful desires on occasion. And if you're honest, you'd say, Pastor David, been there, know what that's like. And Satan will use those sinful desires and try to exploit them in order to what Peter said, get a hold of your soul. That's what he wants. The words in the song that the band sang said, everybody has temptations. No, I got carried away there. Sorry. They laughed at me. That was hard to do if you know me. That's true. Everybody has temptations. But we must do everything necessary to keep away from the tempting situations in order to guard that building block of integrity in our Christian life. The second thing we can do to help maintain our integrity is this. Show respect for those in authority. Peter goes on to write, place yourselves under the authority of human governments to please the Lord. Obey the emperor. He holds the highest position of authority. Also obey governors. They are people the emperor has sent to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. Peter instructs us here to show respect for the government. We don't have emperors and that kind of governmental system. But to show respect for the government and the ones who enforce the government's laws. We are to place ourselves under or to yield to authority. Submission or yielding is not a sign of weakness, but in fact a sign of self-control. It's like the man who became a Christian 
And he said, Pastor, every part of me got saved except my right foot. The pastor thinks he knows where he was going, but he said, your right foot, what do you mean? He says, the hardest part of me to submit is my right foot when I'm out on I-255. The guilty ones just said, oh. Integrity says, I may not like the law, but I will obey it until it disregards God's law. We're never told to disobey God's law in favor of man's law. Integrity says, I may not like the person in that particular governmental position in office, but I will honor the position and pray for him or her. Integrity says, I may not like the direction the nation is going, but I'm not just going to throw up my hands in despair and, and hide myself under the table. I'm going to pray for God's intervention and protection over the country I love, America. When it comes to integrity, we come to the third thing we can do, which is this. Stand for what is right in the workplace. Peter says, servants, you must respect your masters and do whatever they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are tough and cruel. In Peter's day, slavery was prevalent in the Roman Empire, and anywhere from 8 to 11 million people were considered slaves. Now, these slaves slash servants were considered property of their masters. And thankfully, this form of slavery has been gone from our country for over 150 years. But this verse still has application for us today. Allow me to change two words in that verse. Employees, you must respect your employers and do whatever they tell you. Not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are tough and cruel. As followers of Christ, not only your briefcase goes with you, or your lunch bucket goes with you to work, but your integrity should go with you to work. That integrity should manifest itself in the way you treat your boss or your supervisor, the way you treat the customers, the way you treat your fellow employees. That integrity should manifest itself in the way you respond to the company's policies and procedures. And the whole general workplace, remember, people are watching and observing you and me. Integrity demands that we do and stand for what is right at all times, no matter what it may cost us. I read about a Christian salesman who was involved in some talks with a customer for potential sale that could possibly net this Christian salesman a $10,000 sales commission, which was considerable for him. 
But there was a problem. In order to make the deal work, the salesman would have to be deceptive when he presented the product to the customer. This follower of Jesus made the decision that his integrity was more important than a big commission. He decided to tell the truth and put the results of that decision in God's hands. So he told the customer the complete truth about the product, and you guessed it, it cost him the sale. But more than that, when his employer found out what he had done, it cost him his job. Now, that's not the end of the story because through prayer and through time, after he had done what was right in the eyes of God and after he'd kept his conscience clear, God did open a door of opportunity for him to actually be in a company that was a competitor of his previous company. He was willing to pay the price no matter what it cost. The fourth way we build integrity into our Christian life is this. Speak the truth in every situation. Being a man or woman who consistently speaks the truth is a very freeing concept. It's liberating. A young teenage boy was on the witness stand in an important lawsuit that had been filed against his father. And the prosecuting attorney, who was a pit bull, he was cross-examining the teen, and he delivered what he thought would be a crushing blow to this young man's testimony. The prosecutor said, it's come to our attention that your father has been telling you how to testify. Is that true? The boy, taken aback by that, but he said, yes, yes, sir. The prosecuting attorney said, now, just tell us how your father told you to testify. Well, the boy said, my dad told me that the lawyers would do what you're trying to do right now, tangle me up and confuse me. But he said, if I would just be careful to tell the truth, I could repeat the same thing over and over every time I'm asked. I believe that dad gave his son very good advice. And I would say, as my tip to you parents this morning, it's the same advice that you dads and moms ought to be giving to your children. And that is, be careful, my dear child, to always tell the truth in every situation. Now, if you're in the spin business, then you have to remember what you said to who you said it to and hope that these two individuals never come together and start comparing notes. But if your life is not a life of spin when it comes to telling the truth, 
but it's a life built on integrity, you don't have to worry about what you said or who you said it to. You just speak the truth to everyone in every situation. Paul writes this, Now we will speak the truth with love. We will grow to be like Christ in every way. He is the head. We live in a day when telling the truth seems to be in short supply. And it's not just in the media. It's not just in the government or in educational circles. It can also happen occasionally in the church world. A former governor of Louisiana once said this about another politician. He said, you know how you can tell that fellow is lying? He said, watch his lips. And when they're moving, he's lying. But what about us? What about you? What about me? What's stopping us? Why don't you and I make up our minds this morning to be different than many of the others? Let's live with integrity, and when our lips are moving, people know we're telling the truth. The final practical idea for building our lives on integrity is this. When we are suffering, seek God. The band saying, everybody knows sorrow, heartbreak, and devastation. And I'm sure that all of us in this room could say an amen to that. Peter says, one of you might have to suffer even when you've done nothing wrong. If you think of God and bear the pain, this pleases God. One of the greatest tests of integrity is how we respond personally to suffering. Nothing reveals our character quicker than problems and pain in our lives. Many theologians believe that this may be one of the reasons why God allows it to come into our life. When we go through suffering, it really reveals who we are on the inside. It's been said that Christians are like tea bags. You don't know what they are like on the inside until they are put in hot water. As long as we live on this planet, we will experience suffering, trials, pain, heartache. In fact, Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that you can have peace in me. Read it with me. In this world, you will have troubles. But be brave, I have defeated the world. That word troubles contains all that we could ever imagine. And if Jesus said it to us 2,000 years ago on the pages of 
John 16, we've been forewarned, and we know it's coming. Maybe today, maybe you're in the midst of it now. Before the year is out, you will know some pain and heartache and sorrow. The question we all want answered is this. How do we deal with it? It's coming. Jesus said we're going to know it. We're going to experience it. How do we deal with it? People are watching to see just how you and I react to the troubles and the pain and suffering we face in this life. Are we going to blame God? I've seen many people, if not put up their fist in a verbal, in a physical way to God, they've blamed God in their heart. They've badmouthed God for their suffering and pain and sorrows. Are we going to do that? Or are we going to be men and women of Christian integrity and realize that God wants to draw us closer to him in this trouble and pain and sorrow that we experience in life? There's a better question to ask than why is this happening to me? Instead, think about asking this. What are you trying to teach me? And how can I become closer to you in this suffering, Jesus? My wife, this is not Terry. I'm going to move on with this little story. My wife knew a family that just recently, a couple weeks ago, they lost their house. They were in their early 70s. My wife, in talking to them, the, the wife said, you know, we've lost it all. If you've had a fire, you know how devastating that can be. But she said, we're praying that God would show us what we're to learn and how we're to grow closer to him through this tragedy. And I thought, what a wonderful spirit that this lady had. Someone has said, Our integrity shines brighter, not in the good days, but when things get dark with suffering and pain. So as we come to the close of this talk, sermon, whatever you want to call it, does any of this that I've said this morning really matter? What truly is the motivation for building a life of integrity. I read this recently and it spoke to my heart. The writer said, the motivation for a life of integrity is the reality of eternity and the coming judgment. Let me say that again. The motivation for a life of integrity is the reality of eternity and the coming judgment. I have the same hope in God as these men themselves had have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. The Apostle Paul 
says his practice of keeping and seeking to keep a clear conscience and build a life of integrity before God and the world, it stems from the certainty of the coming resurrection. God is going to raise every person who ever lived, whether righteous or wicked, and they will stand before him in judgment. Therefore, every person should repent of their sins before that time and trust Christ as their Lord and Savior and then strive to live with a clear conscience before God and others. A life built on integrity will give us that clear conscience before God now and when we stand before him someday in eternity. So here are the facts. Our integrity is put to the test every day in virtually every situation. Number two, people who do not know Jesus are watching to see how we will respond to these life situations. Number three, the choice is left to us whether our walk will match our talk, our behavior match our beliefs, and our character match our confession. There's a lot at stake, my friends. There's a lot at stake. Not only our witness to our friends and our coworkers and our family, but our eternal destiny is at stake. And so I ask today, will you commit that you will build your life on integrity? Will you decide to be a real Christian? Today, tomorrow, and forever. Before I pray, the band's going to come back and sing that song. I want us to stand. And that way you can tap your foot and really get into this song. It's the same song we heard. And as you exit today, the ushers will have some What Would Jesus Do bracelets. And if you'd like a bracelet, feel free to take one. Lord God, we thank you today that you're calling us to a life of Christian integrity and character. Forgive us where we failed in the past and really not realized how much people were observing us and watching us in our actions and our deeds, listening to our words. Lord, help us to have the resolve this morning to commit to be those real Christians that the world desperately needs to see. Forgive me, Lord, when I've missed it, and help me today to be that model of Jesus wherever I go. It's in your precious name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let me...